Welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. And this is a music history podcast where I am teaching Mika the whole story of music history. And you know I'm tired if I didn't try and say something dumb. I just said my name because I'm tired and I can't think of anything. (laughs) Not that I normally put thought into anything at all. You put thought into things like work and other things. Yeah, just not sounding smart. So check out our YouTube channel. I did a history of Devo over there so you can learn about that weird and misunderstood band. Why did you do Devo? Because someone recommended it. A subscriber recommended it. So they sounded fun. So I did it. That makes me happy. The channel is just all about me digging into things that sound fun. So if you recommend something that sounds fun, I will probably do a video on it. So Not if it's boring. Right. Well, it's just <laughs> interesting to me. I don't know. People probably find Devo boring, but they seemed interesting for me to learn about. So I did it. So yeah, subscribe over there, watch the videos, recommend stuff you want to learn about, and yeah. And if you're not from Nashville and you haven't checked out the video on the history of Ryman Auditorium, that's a good one to check out. It's it's good. It's good Nashville history. It's a very interesting story. Have you actually watched it? No. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you okay. and you don't have to call me out like that. I can know that it's a good episode without watching it. Okay. She hasn't watched any of them, by the way. Stop so it. It's, Stop. it's not that that one is particularly unappealing to her. It's just she's watching out of them. Okay. Well, what have you been watching? Because it's Mika is the host now time. Oh, I think I've already mentioned artist on artist on artist on artist. Maybe. Maybe not. Such a good podcast. So funny. I do love them. It's improv. It's ridiculous. You should watch it on YouTube and not like on, not just listen to it. And they're back. Did I tell you that? They're doing another season. It's so good. Was there ever a question that they wouldn't? I don't know. They took a break for a while. All right. There's always a question that people will stop. People probably question whether or not we're going to keep doing this all the time. I mean, when we only really have to do one a month, I think that's reasonable to keep doing. If we tried to make this a weekly, we probably would have stopped a long time ago. This is why you don't put put limitations on yourself. You don't put pressure on yourself. If you don't have a goal, you can't fail. Mika no longer the host now. <laughs> My mom asked if we were daily, and I thought that was funny. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> Trying to write one of seven of these. <laughs> that would be brutal. Well, you didn't mention Valley released a new album. Valley released an album. I do love them. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. I like it very much. I like them very much. They make me happy. Fall That's out the whole boy. of my stuff. <laughs> I like it very much. <laughs> they make me happy. <laughs> Fallout Boy released an updated version of We Didn't Start the Fire. So it's that's been stuck fun. in my head. <laughs> the chorus or like the actual... Because the chorus would just be <laughs> Billy Joel. But it's them singing it. Oh, okay. That's stuck in my head. It goes between that and then Toxic Gossip Train. <laughs> it's It's been an interesting musical time. Speaking of interesting musical times, we are in the 80s. 
we're in the 80s. What can what do you remember about things we've talked about so far? Do you remember anything? Big hair. We did talk about hair metal, yes. Synthesizer. Eh, yeah. That was technically in the 70s, but it was New Wave, which is very 80s, so I'll let it slide. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> Do you remember the last couple episodes we've talked about? Indie rock? Basically, yeah. Alternative oh. rock, but same thing. Okay. And then R.E.M. was last episode. I've already forgotten that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't expect you to remember. What do they do? What did they do? Yeah. I, I mean, everybody hurts. That's oh, all. yeah, that's right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Losing my religion. That's right. Very weird artsy music oh videos. Oh, my God, the music videos. I remember <laughs> the music videos. Very Georgia-based bands. Band. They're one band. The drummer who didn't actually like drumming. Such a vibe. All right. Well, we're getting more and more into the era of time where genres become kind of ambiguous. Artists cross genres, genres splinter into factions, and everything is just kind of vague. I think that we've been there for a second. Sure. But I, when, it, when it gets more into the time of like people can do it themselves, then they can do whatever they want themselves. Back when it was like, you have to release this through a label, the label's like, well, we're only going to release this kind of music and it mm -hmm. fits into our label. So now it's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Sounds like it was the label's fault. Just don't put people into a box. <laughs> sure. So I wanted to do an episode on 80s pop music, but it might not make a ton of sense to just Why? have blanket 80s pop music because of what I just said. It splinters. There's so many things. It's like dance. It's new wave. Like there's so many different little. Okay. But we're, we'll do our best. We'll do it anyway. So okay. <laughs> this is Good. 80s pop okay. music. In a lot of ways, it makes more sense to just talk about like the biggest pop stars of this decade instead of the genre as a whole. Sure. And we've already talked about a few of the biggest pop stars or the pop genres and musicians of the 80s, like New Wave, which was the genre that dominated the first half of the 80s. We've talked about Michael Jackson, who was unquestionably the biggest artist of the decade. And we'll talk about a couple more after this. So for this episode, I'll just give you a basic overview of how pop music kind of like progressed throughout the 80s. Okay. So as we've talked about already, pop music in the 80s became more image focused. With the advent and explosion of MTV, more and more artists were focused on creating an image and a brand through their videos and just their overall look and style. I feel like that has just like, like snowballed. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's still like music, but like so much of artists I'm just like I don't know what they do, but it's just how they look and their vibe. I wonder if that's going to change cuz like people don't watch music videos anymore. But like you see them still True. on like social, social media. media. So it's like a different it's not like image based on music video it's like image based on socials yeah personality or yeah what you put out there as your personality yeah i don't know i mean i'm different i get that i just like i don't know what half of the people i listen to even look like because like i don't follow them on social i don't really care to see their social profiles i just listen to the music and i'm like oh that's good music 
But we'll talk more about like that intersection of style and especially fashion with music when we get to Madonna, which is the next episode. Yeah. We've kind of already seen that interplay with New Wave. A lot of them, like Devo, plug that video. They Their style and their image was super important. And with hair metal, because that probably about 25% of hair metal was the hair and the leather. This led to artists being more than musicians. They became cultural icons that defined the style and the sound of the decade. Cultural icons. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that contributed to this new level of stardom. One, as we've mentioned, was MTV. But there was also a new interest in celebrity gossip. (laughs) I like gossip. It was celebrity gossip was always around. There was always rumors. I mean, mm-hmm. JFK and Marilyn Monroe, like there's always been rumors, but I mean, especially with like the mega movie stars and people like Elvis and the Beatles, but the 80s just kind of took everything up a notch. The public became obsessed with fashion and gossip. Also, developments in technology made music easier and easier to access with things like cassettes and Walkmans making music portable. And radios just kind of being everywhere and indie radio stations. There's just a lot more music out there right now. That is just the best. That's the best thing. (laughs) I'm so happy that that happened to music. Yeah, just like portable. I can listen to music while I do whatever. Like that is one of my favorite joys in life. I was talking to my friend the other day. And I was like, do you remember when you were a kid and you had like a portable CD player, which was like my whole high school. I had a little portable CD player. Yeah. I had several because I would break them. But like, that's what I would listen to music on. Yeah. I guess until like senior year. And he was like, no, I think I was too young for that. What? <laughs> it made me feel bad. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm so old. <laughs> Shut up. That's hilarious. People don't remember portable CD players now. I didn't even think that was that old of a technology. That's so funny. He was like, no, I had a little iPod shuffle. Like, that's the earliest thing I can remember. <laughs> a, a shuffle, too, not yeah. even, like, the brick. Like, right. <laughs> That's so funny. I never had a shuffle. I, like, had too much music to fit on a shuffle. I didn't have a shuffle By the either. time it came out. Because I had iTunes for a while before I had an iPod. Because I would just, mm-hmm. like, that's how I burned my CDs. Yeah. You would make a little playlist and then burn them. Yeah. So I already had a ton of music on my iTunes. Couldn't put it on a shuffle. Anyway. Uh, so besides all of that, the economy was doing really well. So more people had disposable income to spend on things like fashion and gossip magazines and music. I love it. The 80s saw a big increase in teen pop which is a genre that's been around for quite a while, all the way back to people like Frank Sinatra, who was definitely a teen idol, at least when he started. Oh, so we're not talking like boy bands. We're not talking teenagers. We're talking like... Okay. (laughs) But it really had a heyday in the 80s. Teen pop is music that is created by and marketed to teenagers and preteens. Normally, it incorporates many different genres and subgenres of music, and they cultivate the kind of girl-boy-next-door aesthetic. Just think One Direction. Who's... I, I can't not. Who's <laughs> the Who's the boy band of the 80s? We'll get there. Talk okay. about, I think, a couple different ones. Okay. One features someone you know. What? One of the first and biggest teen bands of the 80s was New Edition. 
They were formed in the late 70s in Boston when three elementary school friends started singing together. Cute. They started winning several talent shows around town and got a residency at Strand Theater, where they got the attention of a small record label owner who wanted to get kind of like a Jackson 5 type group going. I'm a little bit uncomfortable now, though, because we're talking about child labor. <laughs> like, can you imagine just like scouting them being like, yes, dollar signs in my eyes. Like, oh, yeah, no. It's weird. But I mean, it's, I guess it's the same as like child actors and stuff. Yeah, that's also weird and bad. And weird, <laughs> their first single in 1983 for that small, I think it was a local label, was a smash success. And it was called Candy Girl. Here is Candy Girl. Oh my god. seem like they're a little bit older. Oh my god, the dancing is just <laughs> fantastic. I mean, it's Jackson 5, but like he's not as good as Michael. Yeah. All right, well, that's Candy Girl. I love them. I wish them the best. They then signed a major label deal and continued their success. Throughout the 80s, they became the blueprint for the new boy bands that would pop up, like in the late 80s and early 90s. The same guy that put out New Edition's first album, his name was Maurice Starr, before they fired him and moved to MCA, decided to give it another go. So he found a new group of teenagers and formed a new band called New Kids on the Block. Maurice was so fascinated by one kid in particular that he formed the band around that kid. He particularly liked Donnie Wahlberg's rapping ability. So Donnie was the first member of the band, joined soon after by his brother, Mark Wahlberg. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. You didn't know about this? No. But Mark left after only a few months. Donnie then recruited a bunch of his friends, and they put out an album. Their first album was Super Bubblegum Pop, and it completely failed. So the group took more control over their sound and scored their first hit on their second album with this song, Please Don't Go, Girl. Mark Wahlberg was saying... <laughs> Not at this point. But... <laughs> New Kids on the Block? Marky Mark. He was a... He was Marky Mark before he was an actor. He was like a little rapper, pop star guy. I thought that we just called him that because it's like a dumb little name. Just kidding. It is a dumb little name, but it was also his stage name. <laughs> so he's a teen star. What the so small! <laughs> the older I get, the smaller boy bands look. <laughs> what? This looks like it belongs on Disney Channel. I mean, they probably would have been on Disney Channel if it had been a thing. I 
miss that? I did. I think that's Donnie with the weird hair. dynamics in this must have been so weird because that child is a child and then some of these guys are like 17 <laughs> yeah. 18 what was that like all right well that's please don't go by new kids on the block here's good vibrations by marky mark and the funky bunch oh i hate it <laughs> i hate it i hate it i hate it oh no 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 no, no. Why is he looking at me like that? <laughs> she can stay. Are they actually going to sing is the question. <laughs> uh. Uh, uh. What is happening? Are they gonna have sex or is he gonna beat me up? <laughs> Both. Okay. Not him though, please. This is so so embarrassing, actually. <laughs> That's why he doesn't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Alright, that's oh. Marky Mark. <laughs> what Donnie's brother went on to do after he left New Kids on the Block. Oh, my God. Probably should have stayed. Uh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like the foundation of boy band era. But one of the biggest teen pop stars of the 80s was Tiffany Darwish, who was just known as Tiffany. You know Tiffany, right? I know Tiffany. She's from Los Angeles and got her start in 1981 singing country music. As you do. Right. Especially in Los Angeles. An established folk artist heard her and brought her to Nashville to work on her country singing. As you do. She managed to get on a show called Star Search, which was produced by legendary game show and TV producer Ed McMahon, who worked a lot with Johnny Carson. She ended up placing second in Star Search and signed a deal with MCA. Her first single completely failed, so she was sent on a nationwide tour of shopping malls. <laughs> to kind of work on her sound. <laughs> Stop. It's like Robin Sparkles. I, I think Robin Sparkles. I think this was the inspiration no. for Robin Sparkles. And her second single became a number one and still massive. Here is I Think We're Alone Now. I forget that like that's actually a thing is that people would like perform at malls. But I think, I think that Jeanette McCurdy did that too. Really? Huh? Yeah, I think that was part of her book. I don't think it was much of a thing after like the 80s and 90s. She also was shipped off to Nashville to work on her music. It's funny how this has just become such like a slasher movie song. Not a horror song at all. That's what I think of. This is Robin's purpose. 
guy doing? What is happening? It's a Gumby. Wildest music video. I'm not no Gumby. I don't. What? No. That's a big green character. That was Gumby. I don't know what that means. Just a little toy character. All right, that's Tiffany. All right. I think we're alone now. I think I'm done now. <laughs> As music tastes changed in the 90s, Tiffany's career really started to struggle. But she's still out there making music and touring. We can still go see Tiffany play. What does her music sound like now? I don't know. What's her top song on Spotify? I think we're alone now is her top song on Spotify. I need my phone, buddy. I'm so sorry. What's her okay? What's her second top song? What is the most recent? We have to know. The most recent top hold song on, is going to be very different than what's her top. Tiffany. Two thousand eighteen, two thousand twenty-one, two thousand twenty-two. Told you she's still out there making music. Did you not believe me? The eighties also saw a trend of artists reinventing themselves. Some of that was a marketability thing. After all, no one wanted to listen to disco anymore, so those artists which is had a bad to- decision. Those artists had to find something new. But it also saw a lot of people who found success as a member of a band or a group breaking out on their own and finding success as a solo artist. One Direction? (laughs) Right. Diana Ross, who we've already talked about, started out as a member of the Supremes. In 1980, after 20 years with Motown, she left the label, which started a new era of her career, and her music exploded in the 80s. She's so good. Another Motown product, Lionel Richie, left his group The Commodores and released his first solo album in 1982. Hmm. I didn't know that he came from a group. Mm -hmm. He's much more famous outside of that group, but that group had some hits too. Okay. He carried on the ballad style of singing that made him popular in The Commodores and immediately had three hit singles on his first album, and it cemented him as the top balladeer of the 80s. Here's one of those first hits called Truly. That's truly. Ballads are so boring to me 90% (laughs) of the time. I thought you loved Frank. He's a balladeer. That's why I said 90% of the time. Okay. He's the the 10%. I also like a few select ballads, like, like, um, I mean, like contemporary ballads and stuff. Louis Armstrong had some ballads. Nat King Cole. I think that whole era is good ballads. Yeah. But more modern ballads, not a big fan of. So with all of these songs, it's interesting It's interesting to see the blending of genres. There's R&B, soul, touches of funk, some new wave and synth pop, 
the 80s really was a kind of hodgepodge of music all happening side by side. I like that. Which was all easily accessible to anyone who wanted to make it and be influenced by it, which created some pretty fun sounds. We already talked about the prevalence of one-hit wonders in the 80s. MTV and New Wave had a lot to do with that. Because, how, because of how striking the visuals were, bands were forever tied to that one song, and it was so hard to break free from it. That's why many of the New Wave bands had one hit in the States, but had several overseas where the music video was not as prominent. Hmm. In the 80s, Los Angeles was the dominant city for American music. We talked about that in the hair metal episode, but also with pop music. Motown was still around and had some big artists like Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, and Lionel Richie, but that sound was on its way out, and Barry Gordy had moved to California. I think by the end of the decade, the hip-hop scene of New York kind of switched the focus back that way, but the 80s was all about the fun in the sun type of sound. Mm-hmm. The 80s also saw the rise of the synthesizer in pop music. Yay. The punk movement kind of broke down the rock music scene and created a do-it-for-yourself attitude that the synthesizer lended itself really well to. Like, as in you don't need a band yeah or even like you don't need to be in a studio to make oh okay. crazy effect sounds like you just have a synth got you like I, do you remember when we talked about boston the band maybe it i was, don't know boston was basically just that one guy who would just make songs in his basement with all of his super fancy oh, recording yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, his thing was his studio effects and now you could just do that with a synthesizer and you didn't need mm-hmm. ten thousand dollars of equipment to do it oh okay Uh, But the punk bands did not like the synth. They thought it was too commercialized. Some bands that came out of that scene started to utilize it more heavily and created a popular sound with it, which is kind of how we got New Wave, which is Mm -hmm. what we talked about. People like Blondie. By the early 80s, synths were cheap, or at least cheaper than they were in the 70s when the major metal bands were the only people using them. Also, digital music became a thing. So for the first time, it was easy to create and digitally manipulate music. There was a particular movement that spearheaded the synth-pop sound. It came out of the UK club scene and was called New Romantics. I like it. Already? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I thought you would like this. The New Romantics were a largely fashion and aesthetic movement. (laughs) Yeah. It was inspired by David Bowie, Roxy Music, and other glam rockers. Good. It was an eccentric fashion style that was kind of a reaction to the anti-fashion style of the punk movement in the 70s. I like both. Which is kind of funny because punk was born out of the like New York Dolls glam thing. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, they were very glam. So it's funny that it's kind of like rebounded. Uh, yeah. But the New Romantics had a lot of cosmetics, eyeliner, frilly shirts inspired by the English Romantic period and just anything that they thought would be striking or different. Do you can you like picture what we're talking about here? Or are you just like on board, or can like you picture bands that looked like that? Mm, no, because I have a bad imagination. But like, yes, at the same time, like okay. I get the vibe. I just can't like, I can't picture like actual bands or anything. Sure, okay. Even though it was a fashion movement, it was adopted by several musicians who ended up becoming popular and pushing it into the limelight. Most notably, Boy George of Culture Club. Boy George used to hang around a club in London called a Blitz Club, which is kind of where the new romantics started. Like all of the people would just kind of hang around that club in particular. Mm-hmm. He'd occasionally sing with this band called Bow Wow Wow, which Yippee-o, was... Yippee-o, <laughs> No, they were just Bow Wow Wow. 
They were they were actually a pretty popular band. They had some hits. But when they broke up, the bassist of that band asked Boy George if he wanted to form a new band. Is this person's is, explain this person's name? It's Boy George. I don't no, know. it's not. That, I mean, it's not his real name, but that's what he goes by. Okay. Uh, they recorded demos for EMI. EMI rejected them, and Virgin Records signed them. Their first two singles failed, but the third, released in 1982, became their most successful song. Maybe second most. I don't know. Here is Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by Culture Club. Less invested. What? They're all they're all black people. So I guess the black face is okay. It's okay, who's I who's I Especially because it doesn't seem like there's any black people in this band. I think there is one. Is there? I didn't see them. This is a full production. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the music videos back then. That's how you get on MTV. So that's Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? When they released their second album in 1983, they found more instant success with the first single, Breaking the Top Ten. 1983 was also when British bands were taking over the world again. In 1983, 30% of U.S. record sales were from British bands. This was the height of the new wave and synth-pop sound, what many people called the pinnacle of new romantics. But by 1985, it all started to decline. However, back in 1983, Culture Club capitalized on the explosion of this movement by releasing their new biggest song, Karma Chameleon.
million. Okie dokie. <laughs> How are you feeling about Culture Club? I've never... that They're not what I expected them to look like. Fair. I did not know. By the time they released their fourth album in 1986, things weren't going great. The decline of the New Romantics had already started. Boy George had been dating the band's drummer, John Moss, and it was not a healthy relationship. When they broke up, George turned to drugs for escape, and his addiction spiraled out of control really quickly. In July of 1986, George was arrested for possession of heroin, and the band officially broke up. After that, Boy George has pursued a solo career, and the band has had several reunions. They are still touring without John Moss. Hmm. Many people say that the New Romantics and synth-pop were kind of synonymous, but that's not really the case. Several of the New Romantics didn't even use synths at all. But one of the biggest bands to come out of the movement certainly did. Duran Duran were a part of the New Romantics movement and are largely credited with changing the synth-pop sound. Before, in the 60s, synth music felt very eerie and kind of somber. I mean, like, only metal bands were using synths, mm. so it was that kind of sound. Duran Duran used synths to create a more melodic and rhythmic sound, which changed the way synth-pop sounded forever. It basically added the pop to synth-pop. Duran Duran were one of the biggest bands of the early 80s, and after them, several other bands started using synths to create three-minute pop songs. We already talked about Duran Duran. They did that song, did. Girls on Film, with the girls like wrestling people. Oh. That was that was Duran Duran. Uh, but other bands started to copy that style. Like, I don't know how to say this band's name. Why'd I put him in here? Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode? Their 1981 hit, Just Can't Get Enough. Like, I know this band, but I can't say their name. Anyway, here's Just Can't Get Enough. Synth going. The decline of synth-pop coincided with the decline of the new romantics. By the end of the 80s, people were starting to get oversaturated with the highly commercialized sound of new wave and synth-pop. The more genuine rock band style was gaining more popularity, including bands that we'll talk about eventually, who could kind of be seen as like post-synth-pop or pre-emo bands like The Smiths and Joy Division. Hmm. They're also called post-punk. The public just got kind of sick of bands using synths since everyone did it. It was no longer cool, which is just how things happen. It's yeah. very cyclical like that. 
By the mid-90s, the New Romantics basically only existed in themed club nights when clubs would host a Human League or a Duran Duran-inspired night. So that's just kind of a brief overview of what was going on in the wide, weird world of 80s pop music. The next two episodes will be about two of the biggest pop stars of the decade. We're going to talk about Madonna and then Prince. Yay! So you'll get a more of a feel. I think it's better to just talk about like artists when you talk about 80s pop because that's mm-hmm. kind of how you can capture everything that was going on. But I'm excited. Yeah. Madonna's a fun story. Prince is wild. Any any last thoughts on 80s pop before we move on? The whole like cyclical... Everyone got tired of the synth thing reminded me of a TikTok that I saw that pointed out how all of like the top songs in like the 2010s were like very saxophone based riffs. Yes. Like, like, uh, uh, like thrift shop and (laughs) and then, um, those are the only ones I can think of right now. But there's like a lot of them. Like you don't realize. Anyway, that's what it made me think of is there's like just a bunch of if there's just a bunch of like the saxophone riff songs yeah. from like the twenty tens. And just it's just funny that that was like the thing. <laughs> and then now you you it's like weird. you wouldn't be doing well, actually probably now. Maybe you could get away with it, but I guess in like ten years actually. Yeah. And the twenty tens are back. <laughs> I feel like people are like I feel like disco is very much back right now, like disco inspired stuff. I love it. I'm living Even for it. A little bit. I feel like that's going on. Yeah. Just the way of the world, people. I mean Walk the Moon I feel like has been very simple the whole time. Yeah. People just are the first to do something and it's super cool and everyone else is like, Oh that sounds cool, I wanna do that and then everyone does it and then it's no longer cool. And then we Okay. Any any final thoughts? No, I want my heating pad. Okay, goodbye.